Welcome to the podcast of Selmore Baptist Church in Ozark, Missouri. To learn more about our church, please visit selmorebaptist.com. And now, here's the sermon. Acts chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. And today we return to our current sermon series entitled Paul's Missionary Journeys. In case you're wondering, the plan for the next three Sundays that we have together is for us to conclude Paul's first missionary journey. So we won't just leave Paul and Barnabas stranded out there somewhere in the Mediterranean. We'll bring them home, okay? And then if you like, you can continue exploring Paul's subsequent missionary journeys in your personal study. But I am looking forward to the sermon times that we're going to have together the next three Sundays. I hope that you are too. And my plan, just so you know, is to preach the Word of God like we always do. And we know as we do that, the Holy Spirit will speak and minister to us through His Word, and He will give us just exactly what we need to hear. With that being said, since it's been a couple weeks, let's review what's taken place so far on this first missionary journey. If you recall, Paul and Barnabas started this journey from their home church at Antioch of Syria, where the Holy Spirit said, separate to me Saul or Paul and Barnabas for the work to which I have called them. From that, we said that there's no such thing as a self-appointed pastor or missionary. When the Holy Spirit calls a person to ministry, he confirms that call through their local church. Subsequently, the church at Antioch fasted, prayed, and laid hands on Paul and Barnabas and sent them on their way. Paul and Barnabas's first stop on their missionary journey was the island of Cyprus, which was Barnabas's home country. While at Cyprus, Paul and Barnabas began preaching in the synagogues there. A young man named John Mark, who was Barnabas's cousin, joined the team as their assistant. At one point, the governor of Cyprus asked to hear Paul and Barnabas speak the word of God, asked for a personal audience. And at that time, one of his advisors, a sorcerer named Elymas, opposed Paul and Barnabas, seeking to turn the governor away from the Christian faith. In response, the Lord blinded Elymas, and the governor, seeing the power of God, became a believer in Jesus Christ. Next, Paul and Barnabas sailed north to the city of Perga, where John Mark decided to leave the mission team and return home. Paul and Barnabas continued inland to the city of Antioch of Pisidia, a different Antioch than where their home church was, where again, they preached the gospel in the synagogue there. If you remember, there were two pretty strong responses to the gospel message at Antioch, as there always are. Some of the people couldn't get enough of the gospel. They wanted to hear more. If you remember, they even followed Paul and Barnabas out of the synagogue that day. But other people opposed the things spoken by Paul, and it says that they got the prominent women and the chief men of the city on their side, and they expelled Paul and Barnabas from their region. Paul and Barnabas, for their part, shook the dust off their feet, the scripture says, and moved on to the next town. Meanwhile, chapter 13 and verse 52 says, the disciples, those who had come to know Christ, were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. We said you couldn't say any better thing about any Christian than that. Well, that pretty well brings us up to speed. Where we pick up reading today, Paul and Barnabas have traveled to the next town on their journey, a city 80 miles to the east called Iconium, and today we will read and see what happens next. Now, before we begin reading our text, I do want to ask a question. 
Who has ever heard of a song from 1981 sung by an English band called The Clash entitled, Should I Stay or Should I Go? If you're not, wow, a lot of you. If you're not familiar with that song, you can Google it later. I won't frighten you by attempting to sing it. It's an upbeat, kind of rocky type song. The gist of that song, as I understand it, is a guy singing to a girl, should I stay or should I go? Basically, do you like me or not? The song's lyrics say, darling, you got to let me know, should I stay or should I go? And the reason I bring that song up is because Paul and Barnabas could basically ask the same question in today's text, only they're not talking to a girl. They would be asking the question of the Lord. Should we stay in Iconium or should we go? And we'll talk more about why they would even need to ask that question as we go along today. But to kind of set up the text, I think we all find ourselves in that situation at times in life where we ask God that very question, should I stay or should I go? Now, just for full transparency, before I go any further, I want you to know this. This text was picked out a long time ago. This sermon is not about me. I'm being serious with you. This sermon is not about God calling me to another position. There is absolutely no intent with this sermon. I just want to make that very clear. It's important to me that you all know that. I can say that because we love you all and we know that you all love us. In contrast, the situation we're going to talk about today is what do you do when you find yourself in a circumstance where you're facing opposition? What do you do when you find yourself in a circumstance where people are antagonistic toward you? So whether it be your job or a relationship or an organization that you belong to, or some of you have even perhaps been in this position in, in a church before. Lord, should I stay or should I go? What would you have me to do? That's what we're going to talk about today. So let's begin reading chapter 14. We'll start with verses 1 and 2. Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Greeks, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. So the visit to Iconium starts off on a familiar note. And this is a passage, or rather a pattern, that we've already observed in Paul's first missionary journey. When he gets to a new town, he starts off by going to the local synagogue and looking for an opportunity to preach about Jesus. When he does this at Iconium, verse 1 says that there is a fantastic response. It says, a great multitude of both Jews and Greeks believed. Praise God for this. But just as at Antioch, there is also a group of people here who are opposed to the gospel message. This group wants to silence Paul and Barnabas and get them out of the picture. They don't want them undermining their teaching or, in their mind, stealing their followers. Thus, verse 2 says, The unbelieving Jews, likely the leaders of the synagogue, stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren, against Paul and Barnabas. Now, what form did this poison take? Well, undoubtedly, they contradicted their teaching about Jesus. They probably attacked their character by making up lies and rumors about them. We're not told exactly what they did to poison the Gentiles' minds, but I'm sure whatever it was, 
it was pretty ugly. I'm sure it was pretty mean. I'm sure it was pretty rough on Paul and Barnabas to have their motives questioned and their character impugned. At this point, a lot of us would probably be asking God the question, should I stay or should I go? Lord, I'm trying to do your work here. I'm trying to do your will. I'm trying to do my best, and yet all I get is attacked and criticized. I don't know about you, but I would expect the next verse to say, therefore, they left and went to the next town. But what does it say in verse 3? Therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Verse 3 doesn't say, in spite of the opposition, they stayed there. It says, therefore, they stayed there a long time. In other words, Paul and Barnabas stayed at Iconium specifically because of the opposition they faced. If you don't hear anything else today in this entire sermon, hear this next sentence. Our first instinct is often to leave a place where we are being opposed. However, that opposition may be the very reason God wants you to stay. God may want you to be the one to stay and fight the battle so that someone else later on doesn't have to. God may want you to be the one to stay and tough it out because that's what brings him the most glory. God may want you to be the one to stay and deal with the opposition day after day because that's his plan for your sanctification. Don't assume that just because a certain situation or scenario gets difficult that God is calling you to leave. It very well could be that he is calling you to stay. There's an old saying that when the going gets tough, the tough get going. That saying is fine and good so long as we understand that we're not tough enough to do anything on our own. But God gives us the toughness and the grace that we need for any situation that life throws at us. This morning, I suspect that there are some here in this room who are in a pretty tough situation of some kind. And you're thinking about bailing. It's not my place to tell you whether God would have you to stay or to go. I am not the Holy Spirit. And as we'll see in a moment, there is also a time to go. All I'm asking you to do is not to assume that because you're in a tough position that God has given you permission to bail. Is it possible today that God is asking you and calling you to stay right where you are? I would implore you to be open to that. Not only did Paul and Barnabas stay at Iconium, verse 3 says, as we've already pointed out, they stayed there a long time. That is to say that they stayed there until God released them. So many times we grow impatient. We want God to act quickly. If things start getting tough, we especially want God to pick up the pace and make something happen. However, the truth is that most things worth doing, most things worth accomplishing take time. They don't happen overnight. And so we must be patient. 
We must wait on the Lord and we must be willing to stay even in a tough situation for a long time if that is his will. We cannot do this in our own strength, but by his grace, with his help, we can. Moving on, while at Iconium, verse 3 says that Paul and Barnabas spoke boldly. That is to say they preached the gospel without fear or trepidation. They preached it without compromise. And the result of this bold witness was that the Lord bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. In other words, God had their backs. As Paul and Barnabas preached the gospel, God gave them the power to perform miracles that proved the truthfulness of what they were teaching about Jesus. This reminds us that when we do stay, when we are faithful to God, when we are obedient to the task to which he has called us, he will always have our back. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. But he will always make sure we have the tools we need to accomplish the mission he has given us. People will let us down. People disappoint us, but God never will. We can trust him. What is God asking you to do today? In what situation in your life is he calling you to stay in the battle? Will you be obedient and will you trust him? Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, while God often calls us to stay and depend on him to work through a difficult situation, there are times when we need to go. It takes much wisdom and much discernment to know when that time is. Let's read some more about Paul and Barnabas' experience at Iconium and see what we can learn about this. Verses 4 through 7. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Laconia, and to the surrounding region, and they were preaching the gospel there. As we said, Paul and Barnabas stayed at Iconium for a long time, despite the persecution, despite the opposition that they faced. No doubt one reason they stayed so long is because of that great multitude of new believers mentioned there in verse 1. Paul and Barnabas had to make sure these new Christians were discipled by somebody and grounded in the faith before they went to another city. We know it's so very important that when someone comes to faith in Christ, that they are taught what it means to follow him, what it means to obey him, what it means to walk with him. But what we see here in these verses is that there did come a point when Paul and Barnabas felt released to leave Iconium and to go to the next place. The question for us is, how do we know when it's that time? And church, there is no standard answer to that question that applies to every circumstance. The question of whether to stay or go is one that is unique to every situation and must be bathed in prayer and in seeking God's will. One thing we can say with certainty is that God will never give us his blessing to do anything that is contrary to his word. So the first thing that we always need to do when considering the question of should I stay or should I go is to consult the scriptures. It's also a good idea to seek advice from godly counsel 
who can help us determine how God's Word applies to our particular situation. If the Scripture is clear that we must stay, or conversely, that we must go, then our decision is simple. We have no choice but to obey and trust God. But what about those circumstances where the answer may not be quite so cut and dry, such as the circumstance in which Paul and Barnabas find themselves here? On one hand, they've been called as missionaries by the Holy Spirit to make disciples of Jesus Christ, which is exactly what they've been doing in Iconium. On the other hand, as it says in verse 5, their lives are in danger. So now they are faced with the question, do we stay and become martyrs in Iconium, or do we go and live to preach the gospel another day in another place? Now that may sound like a no-brainer to us, but it could have been God's will for them to be martyrs in Iconium. Certainly many early Christians were martyrs, At the end of the day, all that matters ultimately is what is God's will. That's what we should be trying to determine. And again, there are no pat answers to the question of whether it's God's will for me to stay or to go. But we do see some hints here in these verses of some things to consider that may be helpful to us in determining God's will for our circumstance, some principles. These are not hard and fast rules, but these are principles that I would submit to you to prayerfully consider. Does everyone understand? Not rules, just considerations as we pray, as we seek God's will. The first consideration that we see in this text is division. Verse 4 says that the multitude of the city was divided. Now, anytime we stand for God in a secular context, it will always cause division. No matter how kind or Christ-like we are in our approach, and by the way, we should be kind and Christ-like. If you present Jesus as the only way to heaven, if you call sin, sin, you will face opposition and you will cause some level of division. That's just to be expected. Jesus told us that. However, what we see here that we may want to consider is that once we have made our stand for Christ, once we have accomplished whatever we feel like God has called us there to do, if our presence is causing continual division, the kind of division that leads to chaos and confusion and hostility, that could be an indication that it is time for us to move on. As one commentator says, Iconium had become a polarized, smoldering cauldron ready to ignite. I'm not saying, again, it's a hard and fast rule that division means it's time to go. I'm just saying it's something to think about, to prayerfully consider. I think that this played in to Paul and Barnabas' decision ultimately to leave Iconium. Certainly in the context of the church, we know that God's will is not division. But rather, as it says in Ephesians 4, we are to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That could mean, in some circumstances, that we need to go. The second consideration is violence. Verse 5 says, a violent attempt 
was made to abuse and to stone Paul and Barnabas. The Greek for the word attempt literally means to rush or to assault. It suggests that this was not some clandestine plot to take out Paul and Barnabas, but rather it was more like mob violence. Again, we should not assume that just because we're being threatened with physical violence means that we must go. Indeed, we should expect to be persecuted for our faith. Jesus went to the cross. Eleven of the twelve apostles died as martyrs. It is not unreasonable for Christians to expect to physically suffer for our witness. At the same time, the prospect of a situation turning violent could be an indication that it is best for us to go. James 1 says, The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. If we reach a place where man's wrath is ratcheted up to the point that violence is being threatened or that we're being tempted to respond in kind, it may be wise for us to remove ourselves from that situation. Again, just something to consider. And I do want to make one very specific application of this point as well. And I feel like I need to say this because there is sometimes confusion on this specific point. We may have sisters in Christ here this morning who are in a relationship in which you are being abused, in which you are being treated violently, or perhaps your children are being treated violently, and you're struggling with the question this morning, should I stay or should I go? If that is the case, let me encourage you. First of all, you need to tell someone what is happening. Second, you need to go and you need to get somewhere safe. You can work on your marriage from a distance. You can pray for your spouse. You can get counseling together in a safe environment, but you must not stay in a home in which you or your children are being physically harmed. The third consideration of whether it may be time to go is our long-term witness. This is more implied than explicit in the text, but I think it's definitely there. It's very simple, really, There came a point where if Paul and Barnabas stayed in Iconium, they were not going to live. Their missionary journeys would be over. There would be no more sharing the gospel. Their witness would be permanently silenced. Likewise, I think it's possible for Christians to reach a point where we say, if I continue to stay in this circumstance, the viability of my long-term witness is going to be compromised if not ruined altogether. Not necessarily that you would be martyred, but that such damage is done to your witness for Christ merely by being part of that particular situation or circumstance that you determine it is best for me to go. This was the situation Paul and Barnabas found themselves in at Iconium. Thus, verse 6 says, they fled to Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding region. Many times when we decide to go or flee a particular situation, we feel like we've failed. I would submit to you that Paul and Barnabas did not fail. They stayed in Iconium a long time despite the opposition they faced. Many people were one to the Lord and discipled in that city. And then when the time was right, when there was no longer a way forward, They followed God's will and they left. The book of Ecclesiastes tells us that to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. 
a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow. In like manner, there is a time to stay and there is a time to go. It takes great wisdom, I would say supernatural wisdom, to know which time it is. Now, in some ways, this is kind of an unusual sermon. I don't know that I've ever preached a sermon on this particular subject. I have to trust that the Holy Spirit has taken this text and applied it to your life and to your unique circumstance and whatever it is that you're facing today. But in whatever case, I want to close by pointing out the words of verse 7. Whether we stay or whether we go, we must never forget that we are to preach the gospel wherever God leads us. Paul and Barnabas ended up leaving Iconium, but they never stopped serving the Lord. They never stopped preaching the gospel. And so Christian, wherever God calls you, wherever he leads you, whether that is to stay or whether that is to go, always remember that you are called to be his witness. You are called to be his servant. You are called to be his ambassador. And no matter where he takes you, that role never ends. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. And then we're going to have a song of response. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that over 2,000 years ago now, your Holy Spirit set aside these men to go and to preach the gospel. And because they were obedient to do that, we in this room are sitting here today. Lord, we understand as we do the same, we will face opposition. Lord, we understand that there are circumstances in life in which we will be opposed, circumstances that are difficult, Lord, our prayer is that you would give us wisdom, help us to be faithful, and help us to know, Lord, whether you would have us to stay or whether you would have us to go. And Lord, whatever you tell us, we pray that you help us be obedient to that. Lord, for those who may be struggling with that question this morning in some circumstance in their life, I just pray that you would give them that supernatural wisdom to know what it is that you would have them to do. Lord, we commit this time of response now to you. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.